All right, so if I could just get everybody's attention, please. <laughs> awesome. Uh, how's that for volume? Good? <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right, so thank you so much, everybody, for being here today, and thank you so much to SACPA for organizing this event and having us all here. Um, before we get started, I'd just like to give a quick reminder to everyone to please turn off your cell phones just for the duration of the presentation. Um, my name is Haley Babb. I'm this year's president with the University of Lethbridge Students' Union, um, so I'm very excited to be here today uh, moderating Mike and uh, listening to what he has to say today. So um, I just wanted to give everyone a quick notice that um, today's sessions will be available by audio uh, on the SACPA website as well as we will be recorded by Shaw TV um, and screened throughout the week there. Um, as well, please just be sure to remember that uh, lunch is $12, so if you have that uh, money on you, just be sure to leave that in the basket at your table and please just designate one person to count that amount and make sure that it's all set. Um, so today's format, what we're looking at is I'm going to wrap up pretty quickly here and invite Mike up. Uh, Mike is going to give us about a 25 to 30 minute presentation. At that point, we'll break for lunch, have a 30 minute lunch, and at about 1 p.m. we'll reconvene for some Q&As with the audience. So. Uh, without further ado, uh, I would like to give a uh, warm welcome to Mike Mann, and I'll just say a few words about Mike before I call him quite up. Um, so Mike Mann was installed as the President and Vice Chancellor of the University of Lethbridge in 2010 and was reappointed for his second term beginning July 1st, 2015. As the sixth President and Vice Chancellor of the University of Lethbridge, Dr. Mike Mann initiated the Destination Project. Um, oh, sorry, I skipped over the wrong one. Dr. Mike Mann is committed to building a comprehensive destination university in Western Canada. So, during his first term, he introduced the university's first academic and strategic research plan, closely followed by Destination 2020, the University of Lethbridge Strategic Plan. Under these plans, Dr. Mike Mann initiated the Destination Project, a monumental construction project to develop the new science and academic building, and was successful in obtaining a $260 million investment from the government of Alberta to fund the $280 million project. A former two-sport university athlete, Dr. Mann serves as the chair of the board of directors of the Canadian Inter-University Sports, or U Sports, and he is also on the board of directors of Universities Canada, where he serves as chair of the governance committee, and he's also the current chair of the Council of the Western Canadian University Presidents. So, uh, without further ado, we'll now welcome up Dr. Mike Mann. Thank you, Haley, and good afternoon, everyone. Anytime uh, one of our students uh, gets up to speak, I always am reminded that we are in great hands as a community when we uh, have students like Haley and others that are leading our university at the uh, student union level. Uh, I'd like to start off by acknowledging the recent passing of Dr. Gordon Campbell. I know many of you know Gordon, and uh, he, of course, was such a significant uh, part of the University of Lethbridge, but also founder of SACPA. So uh, I thought it important to recognize him, and I do understand that his... Uh, uh, services is tomorrow in Vancouver, but live streamed here, and I think it's going to be mentioned later. Or oh, is it Saturday? Oh, thank you. Somebody told me Friday, so thank you very much. Um, I'm pleased to be here uh, to speak to SACPA on the 50th uh, anniversary of the University of Lethbridge, but also the 50th anniversary of SACPA, which is a, is a cool intersection. And uh, I had a chance, Knut uh, gave me a, a copy of the the uh, Celebration magazine and I had a chance to go through it the other day and it was wonderful to read uh, the stories about the creation of uh, SACPA. I kind of heard bits and pieces uh, as I came to uh, the L and uh, 
heard about those first meetings with Dennis and, and many others that, uh, and Sam Smith that considered the creation of SACPAW. So congratulations to all those that have contributed to us being here today because it's a significant accomplishment. I'd also just like to, to uh, say thanks to SACPAW for uh, the recent uh, uh, support of our uh, Edward Snowden lecture that took place uh, just recently. It was a tremendous success from my perspective. I uh, uh, thought to myself, uh, uh, unfortunately, he just wasn't a great uh, advertisement for university education as a high school dropout. Uh, somebody that uh, has that kind of intellect and capacity to speak and answer questions in that manner uh, didn't do a lot for us promoting higher education as so critical, but uh, he is sort of an N of one, I would say. So today I'm happy to uh, talk a little bit about the University of Lethbridge under the banner of uh, our past, our present, and our future uh, challenges and opportunities. And I think um, uh, today is a, a great opportunity for me to continue to talk about the university, both in terms of where we've come from, but of course, um, where uh, we see ourselves going in the future. And so much of that vision for the future is very much tied up uh, with our engagement with uh, our on-campus and our off-campus community that is so important. So as I think about uh, the creation of the university back in those uh, uh, late 60s uh, days when I uh, uh, was a young lad, at least I can admit, admit I was a young, young lad then, no longer, um, it was uh, an amazing time. Uh, Owen Holmes, uh, writing a paper entitled, Should There Be a University of Lethbridge? Which was, of course, a pro provocative uh, uh, piece and was a provocative um, concept at the time where uh, the UFC had just been created a year earlier in 1966. And there was this push to create a university in southern Alberta that was not necessarily uh, accepted um, widely, especially by those uh, big bruising universities up in Calgary and, and, Leth or, sorry, and, and Edmonton. And so it was people like Van Christu and others that had the, the fortitude and foresight to say, yes, there should be a University of Lethbridge in Lethbridge. But let's think a little bit about what, what might Lethbridge look like if there hadn't actually been a University of Lethbridge created in 1967. It's an interesting thing to muse on. Uh, over the last 50 years, it would have meant that uh, a, a whole lot of young people uh, in Lethbridge and southern Alberta would have had to uh, uproot themselves and find a uh, university education opportunity either in Alberta or other places around Canada and beyond. That would have created a very different face, I would argue, for Lethbridge and for Southern Alberta, thinking about that many young people leaving our community and our surrounding communities, importantly, as they went off to, to, uh, to pursue their higher education. In contrast, over the last 50 years, we've graduated over 40,000 students so many of them coming from Lethbridge and, and Southern Alberta, so many of them uh, maintaining their roots here in Lethbridge, many going off, and I'll talk about that uh, a little later when I talk about the present, but many coming back. And this is one of the, I think, one of the great things about this community is it really does attract people back to it because it has such a great quality of life. So we muse about the students. Of course, we have to muse about uh, West Lethbridge and uh, what would have happened if there hadn't been a University of Lethbridge created in 1967 
and therefore there hadn't been a push for the city to move across the river uh, to establish itself as a city that was on both sides of a river which you know is pretty typical for cities around the world uh, it would have been potentially a very different kind of city that could have uh, eventually moved more uh, east more north more south but not necessarily west we do know now that uh, west lethbridge is the fastest growing part of uh, of uh, our city and certainly it um, is a, a great example of, of the extent to which the university has influenced uh, uh, West Lethbridge and I think, yes. So, I mean, this, this slide kind of says it all, right? It shows, and in fact, we have a number of other uh, pictures that we uh, sometimes present in a, in a bit of a, uh, a video that shows uh, the evolution of the university uh, from uh, being on the west side of Lethbridge where there really wasn't anything uh, to what we see today which is a very very vibrant part of the city and, and really significantly growing. Relatedly as we think about the impact of, uh, of the university on the city we also think about the university moving downtown and, ha and beginning to have a presence in downtown through the Penny Building and through CASA and others. So, you know, we could muse on for, um, on many different uh, sort of fronts as to what it would have meant if the university hadn't uh, come to pass. We could even say, what the heck would have happened to Mike Babcock's career if he hadn't won <laughs> the national championship here in Lethbridge? Look at what we did for Mike Babcock's career. Who knows what would have happened? He could be, uh, you know, playing, uh, coaching in some farm league in southern U.S., never having had the opportunities that he had. So we could probably point to 100, 200, 300 different people whose uh, and, and thousands of people whose lives have been influenced so significantly by the fact that the university exists here today and influenced their lives. Um, and I could go on and on, but of course I won't. So, so the history of the University of Lethbridge is one that could be interpreted through different lenses. And I was thinking about this this morning when I was reflecting back on my, uh, on my talk. We could certainly reflect through the lens of people, as I've just uh, done. We could talk about the Dennis Connollys, the Brian Kolbs, the Jane O'Days, the many, many people that came to this uh, part of the world, not because they thought about coming to this part of the world for the university, and necessarily but because they were brought to this uh, part of the world in some cases because of the university like Brian Kolb in other cases because Dennis was out on that uh, what are they what are the Aussies called not a track a walk is it a walk walkabout and uh, you know got caught in a snowstorm <laughs> you know who'd have thunk that that would uh, create our uh, professor who is here 50 years later so we could look through the lens of of, um, of people we could also, of course, look through the lens of our faculties. And as we, uh, as I talked about Owen Holmes, uh, you know, should there be a university, there was this great uh, paper that was written at Waterton that really mused about what the university should be. Um, and the musing was about creating this very vibrant liberal education-based university that had a strong commitment to scholarship. It didn't really envision a university that had professional programs. And so as you look at the evolution over the last 50 years, we started with the strong arts and science program. We moved to have a faculty of education. We moved to have uh, nursing and management almost established at the same time. I think it was 80, 80 and 81. We moved on to fine arts and graduate programs and health sciences. And so from those early days in, the, in 66, 67 uh, to today, we transformed ourselves 
through our faculties to be a very, very different kind of institution. We, of course, could look at the whole list of alumni, those over 40,000 alumni, and say, that's what the evolution of the university is best represented through, because all you have to do, and I would encourage you to do this, is go on the, the list of Alumni Honor Society inductees or Alumni of the Year, and that will give you a sense of the contributions that alumni have made to this university over the last 50 years. So that, to me, is a very interesting lens. Of course, as a president, I would argue that we should at least acknowledge there are presidents and only do that. Uh, but there are presidents that uh, do represent another way of interpreting the university from uh, Russell Leskew, the first president, who was acting to our first um, permanent uh, president, uh, Sam Smith, and on to, um, to Beckel, to Woods, to Kenyon, to Tennant, uh, to Cade. And those are different stages in, of the university's time, and, and many of those presidents, I would argue, represented different steps along the way, and certainly this has been mused about in our uh, descriptions of our history. We could also look at our chancellors, at our board chairs, each one of them representing a different time for the university and a different point at which individuals asserted leadership and had opportunities to try and influence our evolution. And of course, we could look at the university through the evolution of our academic programs. And uh, that would be a very long list, but if you look at that and think about the beginnings of the university in the late 60s, a very strong focus on, on the primarily undergraduate education experience, to today, 2017, where we've maintained that strong commitment to undergraduate education, that commitment to liberal education, but at the same time have this wealth of graduate programs at both the master's and doctoral level, we can see how the academic program evolution has really transformed the university. I would encourage you to look at, uh, on our website, the 50 Voices Project, uh, if you haven't yet done so. This was a project that was um, supported by um, our 50th anniversary planning committee and led by the Center for Oral History and Tradition at the University of Lethbridge. And uh, it captures the stories of 50 people uh, representing the 50 years of uh, the evolution of the University of Lethbridge. What is really so interesting about it is it doesn't um, simply go to all the presidents and all the deans, etc. It actually takes a look at the whole cross-section of folks that have contributed to the evolution of the university. Uh, staff, alumni, uh, students, uh, some leaders, etc. And I think gives a great picture of, of that evolution through the lens of people living that experience at the University of Lethbridge. So I'll end off my, my sort of reminiscence of the past by saying the best reminiscence is to go to the 50 Voices Project to look at those videos, those interviews, and, and really get a sense of that evolution. So today we are a university that um, is uh, home to um, over 8,000 students. Uh, I think we hit our highest watermark this year, over 8,600 students. So from our early days when we were in portables uh, on the property of Lethbridge College to today, uh, we've evolved very significantly. As I said earlier, we have over 40,000 alumni represented around the world, uh, and I mean around the world, uh, that all uh, call the University of Lethbridge their alma mater. On a yearly basis, we have anywhere from 80 to 95, 97 countries represented on our campus. And so I think if you were to ask the uh, those that envisioned the university in 1967, whether they thought there would be over 80 countries represented on our campus, 
uh, 50 years later. My guess is they might not have had that vision for the university because for one thing in the 60s in Canada there was not this sense of internationalization for universities that there is 50 years later. So through the lens of, of uh, internationalization the university has transformed itself and, and certainly when we look at the extent to which our international uh, students contribute to the vibrancy not only of our campus but of our broader community uh, it's very significant and something I'm very proud of. We always have to think about well what does it, has the university meant from an economic uh, perspective because uh, it's one of the ways we convince governments to give us big buildings with uh, money attached to it and so uh, presently um, we can evaluate the economic impact in a few different ways. Uh, we uh, create um, uh, 3,444 jobs, either induced or direct. And so the induced would be not, you know, that somebody is hired at McDonald's. Uh, that would be a bit of a stretch, but that there are very direct relationships between uh, somebody's employment and the university. We also can look at the local economic impact, which uh, this last year was $545 million. Or we can look at it from a provincial impact, and it's uh, this past year $1.2 billion. And there, don't ask me how to compute the formula. Dennis Connolly probably knows that formula. So, so in the question and answer, I'll turn to Dennis if, uh, if that question comes up. But we, but we do know that we have a very significant uh, impact on the, the economy of Lethbridge, of Southern Alberta, of Alberta and beyond. But we also have seen the university represented, I think in some really important ways as we've unfolded. We, you know, through the McLean's rankings have become really well known as a university of quality, uh, ranking in the top three in the country over uh, the last five years. And, and by Research InfoSource also being ranked in the top three to five uh, and the Research University of the Year in 2012. Uh, so from a, a metrics perspective, even though many of us kind of shy away from uh, metrics, um, the reality is they are one of the ways that we're measured to try and uh, demonstrate, that we measure to try and demonstrate that we uh, are a university having an impact. So these are all sort of ways to represent the evolution of the university, but in the same way, um, uh, the, you know, from a historical perspective, we, we represent the universities through people, through faculties and the like. Uh, our present day university is best represented through our faculty and staff, through our students, through the members of the community that contribute to uh, the university in a variety of ways, including everyone in this room, as well as through, of course, our alumni. And so as I look at, uh, you know, the present day university, I think we're in very good shape. I'm, I'm pleased that we're in a position to continue to evolve in a positive manner. Uh, I'll come to the future and some of the challenges in a moment. Haley, how's my time? Perfect. I'm ahead of schedule. I, I promised I would be, uh, I would be on time. So as I as I, as I look at the university, um, you know, we can represent ourselves in the way uh, that are articulated, but we can also represent ourselves in the manner at which we contribute to the broader uh, Lethbridge, Southern Alberta, and Alberta community. And so, if I think of fine arts as one example, and the extent you go back to my musings about. Um, you know, what would this community look like were it not for the University of Lethbridge? And I then zero in on fine arts and, and the arts and cultural uh, sector here in, in Lethbridge. 
Um, I would suggest that it would be, this would be a very different city were it not for a university that over the many years had really focused strongly on, on performing arts and, and visual arts and, and all the different elements of fine arts and the extent to which that's influenced uh, you know, organizations um, like SACPAW and others, uh, I think in very significant ways, I, I think um, it is important to note. And you know, I, I was um, struck by a conversation I had with a young man when I was new to the University of Lethbridge and he had been a graduate of the University of Lethbridge, he was from Calgary and he, I was asking him what he was doing and he said he was working in Red Deer and I said oh how's that going and he said oh it's going great but he said I've really struck by the difference between Lethbridge and Red Deer even though I didn't grow up in Lethbridge uh, because of he said my sense of the influence that the arts has had on the community of uh, Lethbridge as a result of the university and I've always that's always stuck in my in my brain because you know some of the best stories we have are through our alumni experiences when they're both on campus but also importantly as they leave campus and uh, and the extent to which the university has influenced them in in various ways and relatedly I would say as we think about the influence of the university one of the things that we know uh, in talking to so many of our alumni that liberal education has been the foundation of influence for, for so many young people uh, that have um, gone through uh, their academic programs at the University of Lethbridge. And many of them tell us that, um, you know, it might have taken them five, seven years to finally wake up and realize what that liberal education had done for them as a, as a young person. Um, but um, they, most of them will tell you they woke up and, and realized what the influence had been. So in thinking about that, we have spent a lot of time envisioning, okay, well, what does a contemporary liberal education framework look like? And how do we help our, our young people um, not have to wake up five years after graduation, realize what experience they've had, but actually have a sense of it throughout their academic experience. And so, that, so that's the reason that we introduced um, the School of Liberal, Liberal Education just uh, uh, a few uh, weeks ago. It was approved by our Board of Governors and uh, previous to that uh, by General Faculty's Council. And the, the purpose of, of uh, creating the school was really to, first of all, underscore how important liberal education is to this university and to say that not only is it important, but we're going to provide a vehicle to ensure that every single student can have the best experience through liberal education that we can possibly offer them. And historically, our liberal education has primarily been about students and other faculties taking some arts and science courses, but going forward, this is about creating a real vibrancy around students having interaction with a, a lot of different disciplines as a part of their academic program, and also having experiences as citizens, which is one of our, one of our uh, four um, pillars of liberal education is, is that experience of being a citizen while you're a student. I was just uh, congratulating uh, David Bow Bowie on, uh, Dr. Bowie on his um, uh, award, uh, the, the Alberta Order of Excellence, uh, and congratulations again. And when I, I look at uh, Dr. Bowie's uh, experiences as both a faculty member and as a citizen, this is what we want our, our young people to understand when they are undergraduate students at the University of Lethbridge is the power of citizens making contributions so that they can make a difference not only through their, their of course, chosen discipline but more broadly, more broadly through contributing uh, to their communities both while as students but 
as importantly or more importantly as they move from student to um, member of the community and contributor to the community. And so we look forward with great anticipation as we think about uh, the School of Liberal Education. So now what about the future and, and what are some of the opportunities for us and what are some of the challenges? Well, um, Haley mentioned the destination project is a real exciting um, project for us. And uh, in fact, just before I came here, I was dressed in jeans and uh, um, steel-toed boot, uh, boots and I went on a tour of our destination project to see how things are going and uh, things are going miraculously. Uh, and I think I have, now hopefully Laurel, this works. I have a, a kind of a cool video. Now what do I do now? Just do I just hit? I don't want to screw up here. Oh, there we go. I got it. Yeah. yeah. A, a drone flying over the uh, um, the, the destination project site. Um, thank you, Haley. Uh, which uh, uh, thanks to uh, PCL, who has uh, their own drone that allows uh, them to uh, view the project as it's unfolding. And you know that project, destination phase one, is as Haley said, a 280 million dollar project and one that really will be transformative for. Uh, our university both in terms of uh, um, getting our students and our faculty out of the most antiquated labs in Canada I would argue uh, in fact that was our big biggest selling um, uh, feature when we brought various premiers and ministers in was just to show us our show them our old labs and they would all reminisce especially those that were my age that um, these looked older than the labs that they were educated in in high school right and so that was uh, that was a great way to sell the importance of the project but the project beyond that will be a really important um, opportunity for us to engage uh, elementary junior high high school students through science on display an opportunity for the building to become a science center for southern alberta so that um, you know just as calgary has its telespark our destination project will be an a place where families can bring their kids on saturdays and sundays to have science experiences and and really try and promote science as a as an aspiration for young people both uh, girls and boys the next phase will be destination two and that so that's uh, um, what i'm spending all my time now start, starting to talk to the provincial government about which is what do we do with um, um, our university hall and especially the elements to university hall that will be evacuated and uh, as they move into um, 
uh, destination one. And so we have some really, I think, important uh, things that we're thinking about. How do we how do we support the social sciences in humanities and fine arts through that revitalization? Um, what might a First Nations gathering space look like in the in the heart of um, uh, University Hall? How do we support our our um, our, our art collection uh, through the re-envisioning of University Hall? And um, you know we can talk about some of this uh, during the question period. Uh, another question that we have moving forward is enrollment, and so there will be this. I think question that we will uh, grapple with over the next number of years. Uh, if we're at 8,600 students now and still being able to maintain, I think a pretty good uh, class size, uh, student faculty ratio, etc. What does 10,000 look like? What does 12,000 look like? What does 15,000 look like? And what does that do for the essence of the University of Lethbridge? And um, there are some great, great universities that are. 8,000 students, 10,000 students. Can we hold on to that number so that we can hold on to the essence of who we are? Or will we be pushed to uh, grow and evolve as an institution? I think that'll be questions that, um, you know, present day leaders and members of the community will have to um, use on, but, but uh, leaders into the future. And relatedly, as we continue to evolve, how do we hold on to our core values of liberal education, focus on the undergraduate experience while supporting the graduate experience, yet um, continue to push forward on the, on the, um, uh, the, the fronts of graduate education and um, professional programs and the like. And, and I think, again, that will challenge our, our musings as we contemplate how we evolve as a university. And so, uh, so we are starting to muse. We are um, thinking about should we um, pursue a, a, a program in engineering, a full-fledged uh, 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 school or faculty of engineering? Should we pursue um, a law um, school, as has been mused about? Should we pursue a, a medical school, as was mused about by uh, a few governments ago? These will be questions that the university will have to grapple with in its uh, future. But these are exciting things to, um, to contemplate, and I think that's, that's what helps a university continue to evolve. And we will be faced with the ever-changing nature of technology and how technology influences how we operate as an institution. I was just up in Calgary on Saturday night for our annual thank you dinner to all of our, our instructors on our Calgary campus. And so the interface between Calgary and Lethbridge uh, is uh, through human beings on the one hand, but also through technology. And we will continue to consider how technology uh, influences the academic programs that we offer and whether we offer them all face-to-face, -face, whether we consider uh, some being offered uh, more, more through distance and remote, etc. But the one thing I know for sure that we will continue to always um, need to consider as the core foundation of the university is um, recruiting and retaining good people. Uh, the University of Lethbridge is what it is today, 50 years later, because of all the fantastic people, uh, both uh, on campus and off, off campus, that contributed to the evolution of the university. And so as we look to the next 50 years, the challenge for the next 50 years is to recruit and retain the next 50 years of people that will continue to push the University of Lethbridge forward. And if I think about the first 50 years of people and all the different contributions they made, uh, my um, my aspirations and, and, and thoughts about the future are very, very positive because I do know if, 
if we can find the first 50 years of people, the kinds of the quality of people we uh, we were able to recruit and retain, I have great uh, hope for the next 50 years. So with that, I'll just finish off by saying uh, thank you for the opportunity to to speak today. It's uh, always uh, wonderful to uh, um, talk about the University of Lethbridge. It's uh, an easy topic to talk about. The biggest challenge is uh, not speaking too long because you get wound up, but uh, I think, Haley, I stuck within the uh, 30 minutes. So uh, thank you very much and enjoy your lunch. <laughs>